Hello, welcome to another MLEX podcast. Our website is mlexmarketinsight.com and you can click on the Insight Centre for the best writing by our team of reporters around the world. I'm James Paniki from MLEX's Asia-Pacific team. Great to have your company today. And as our readers would know, COVID-19 has prompted regulatory upheaval around the world, particularly when it comes to the rules applying to state aid. Now, there are competition aspects to this story as well. Governments choosing to prop up some companies hit by the pandemic but not others will inevitably lead to complaints on the part of those who aren't benefiting from the bailouts. Then there are countries choosing to steer clear of state intervention altogether, only to then be exposed to the accusation that they are in fact allowing anti-competitive monopolies to take hold, as the survival of the fittest leads to the fittest surviving, and others obviously falling by the wayside. And we'll get to a good example of that in the context of Australian aviation in just a moment. But in the European Union, the issue of state aid is a difficult one at the best of times. Michael Acton is an MLEX correspondent in Brussels, although he's sitting out the pandemic in Amsterdam at the moment. Mike, great speaking to you. Pleasure to be here. Now, the EU has moved quickly to relax its rules on state aid. Why has that been necessary? Well, normally the rules on state aid are designed to stop countries from providing unfair subsidies to their businesses. Uh, It enforces what's called the level playing field across Europe. So no individual government can give its own businesses some sort of advantage over others. Now we're in this unprecedented situation where pretty much across the whole of Europe, uh, but for specific sectors, particularly hospitality, retail, tourism, they're all facing this unprecedented liquidity crisis. And so there's a need to pump money into these companies just to keep them going for the next few weeks. Uh, And in order to do that, the Commission had to introduce some sort of framework that would allow governments to do that, but at the same time give some sense of uh, central control over how these subsidies are handed out. So given the relaxation of the rules on the part of the European Commission, what options do EU member states have available to them right now? The European Commission introduced in March uh, what is called the Temporary Framework. This allows uh, governments to essentially provide subsidies on loans or indeed direct grants of up to a certain sum. It's it's up to about 800,000 euros. So the vast bulk of the measures so far have involved things like government guarantees on loans. uh, And this has happened all across Europe. uh, And it's all been done under this so-called temporary framework. Um, Now, there are actually two treaty articles in the EU that allow them to sort of temporarily suspend the normal uh, rules of the game. And there is actually a second article uh, in the treaty, which allows uh, governments to provide compensation for damages caused to companies. It's direct damages paid out to to companies. The the issue with that being that it's much harder to uh, judge exactly what the damages are going to be in the long term, but it also allows for more money to be pumped into them. And so we're seeing over time, more and more governments are reaching for this separate mechanism, which is outside of the temporary framework, which allows them to, for instance, in the case of uh, SAS, the, the the Scandinavian airline, Denmark and Sweden have both uh, set aside 137 million euros, uh, which is aimed at keeping that airline in business for the for the coming uh, weeks and months. So there's basically two angles in the legal framework that allow them to do this. And they're normally there for very sort of rare occurrences. So an earthquake or something completely unforeseen, basically, that allows them to suspend these rules um, from what they would normally be. The situation you have now is completely unprecedented because it's Europe-wide that companies are closing their doors for an unforeseen period of time. So uh, it's really the first time that these treaty articles have been wheeled out to quite that extent. 
And has the spending been well coordinated between the different national governments or does it uh, raise competition concerns? Well, I mean, that's the that's the sort of irony of the whole thing. The, the, the state aid rules are designed to preserve the, the level playing field. And no matter what the European Union says, the European Commission, which is tasked with enforcing these rules, says uh, it's very hard to keep an eye on which governments are spending how much. So as of now, about 1.9 trillion euros has been pumped into the European economy. But what's uh, quite uh, eye-opening is the fact that Germany has been responsible for about 50% of that, at least the aid that's been approved by the European Commission. Now, Germany is actually only makes up 25% of the European economy. It's obviously essential for the rest of the European economy that the German economy functions. But it's raising a lot of, uh, it's reopening a lot of old wounds that happened 10 years ago when the sovereign debt crisis happened. Uh, a lot of the southern European countries like Italy are still suffering from uh, high levels of debt. Their pockets aren't as deep as the northern European countries. And so there was a, a summit of European leaders on the 23rd of April uh, where they essentially discussed this issue. They said, well, you can't just have everyone going left, right and centre spending whatever they want on their own economies to prop them up. So we need some sort of central fund, uh, a rescue fund, uh, that will allow us to coordinate these measures better. And, and the, the president of the European Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, came out and said this exact thing, that there's a risk of these huge differences in the sums that uh, member states are allowed to spend. That's something that they're currently working on. Um, but it's obviously fraught with issues. It's also tied to the EU's seven-year budget, which kicks in in 2021. That was already an extremely contentious issue before the crisis even struck uh, with the Northern European, the so-called frugals, Austria, uh, Sweden, the Netherlands. They, they basically wanted to reduce the amount of money going to the overall budget. Suddenly you're now hit with this crisis and as it stands, it's not looking good. And you mentioned in passing the aviation industry in relation to the Scandinavian countries. Uh, government bailouts of airlines are always going to be controversial. How is that playing out now uh, in the European context? Uh, not well. So as of uh, Monday this week, uh, Air France received a 7 billion uh, euro bailout package from the French government. The commission approved that and it it applauded the French government for including certain green conditions in that bailout. So one way that they're trying to sell these airline bailouts is, well, we are allowing it, but under very strict conditions, there are strings attached. As it stands, you have this plethora of different airlines, which are legacy airlines, uh, the so-called flag carriers. So in Italy, you have Alitalia. In Finland, you have Finnair. These uh, airlines, which are considered sort of national champions, so to speak, and that's immediately riled up airlines like Ryanair, who have broken over the last two decades, have massively broken into the European market and been responsible for a huge amount of liberalisation. They're now running, in some countries like Poland, they're actually the number one carrier. Uh, so you can immediately see this sort of division between some airlines which are being given, uh, being prioritised and fast streamed into getting these uh, loans uh, and other airlines which feel that they're left to the side. And that obviously leaves uh, the, the Commission's decisions because the Commission is responsible for approving all of these uh, bailouts. It leaves those Commission decisions potentially open to legal challenges. Mike, thank you very much for that. It's been great talking to you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Michael Acton is a reporter with MLEX's EU team in Brussels and will return to aviation in just a moment. Laurel Henning is MLEX's senior correspondent in Sydney, Australia. Hello, Laurel. Hi, James. Now, you heard what Mike had to say there. How does the situation in Australia compare when it comes to bailouts? Well, one similarity that I did pick up on from Mike was government guarantees. 
In Australia, we've seen the government underwriting the cost of a minimum domestic airline network to keep Qantas and Virgin Australia's regional flights operating during the pandemic. But other than those guarantees, the situation is quite different here. Firstly, in terms of the amount of money. Obviously, in Australia, this is a much smaller economy than the EU. We're talking about billions of dollars in support here, not trillions of euros. And then digging into that support, the Australian government has steered clear from picking winners, let's say, avoiding those examples Mike gave with some European airlines feeling they'd sort of been left to the side when it came to the support that had been granted. Um, So instead, we've had the government giving financial aid to the aviation industry as a whole, more than a billion dollars, in fact, but it's avoided supporting specific companies, a choice that's had some significant consequences. And this approach has been the focus of attention in recent weeks, as you've uh, chronicled in your writing from uh, Sydney, uh, with the Australian aviation industry continuing to suffer losses as a result of the COVID-19 lockdown. Uh, How is that playing out at the moment? Well, let's just take a step back first and paint a bit of a picture of the industry. Australia has five main domestic airline carriers, Qantas Domestic, Virgin Australia, Jetstar, Tiger Airways and Regional Express or Rex. Now Qantas owns Jetstar and Virgin owns Tiger with the four airlines dominating Australia's most lucrative domestic route which runs between our two cities Sydney and Melbourne. Qantas Airways is a publicly listed national icon marketed as the spirit of Australia whereas Virgin is owned by China's Nanshan Group and H&A Group as well as Singapore Airlines and Etihad Airways. Of course the company is currently up for sale now that it's entered voluntary administration. And this obviously echoes what Mike was saying just before that European governments uh, may be prepared to step in and save flag carriers but they're not about to hand out checks to other uh, industry disruptors in particular the foreign owned industry disruptors like Ryanair. And in Australia, of course, Qantas is the formerly state-owned national airline, whereas Virgin is very much the disruptor. Well, indeed, a group that includes Singapore Airlines, as I mentioned, the irony there being that the small regional operator I mentioned earlier, Rex, is controlled by Singaporean interests, but is also understood to have received a bulk of $198 million in support from the government, also granted during this period for regional flights. But assuming the worst here, that Virgin does collapse, what does this mean for competition in Australia? Well, in Australia's aviation industry, if Virgin's recovery fails, then the country will be left with a single airline, Qantas Airways, and that's not good for competition at all. Normally, that would mean that in the longer term, consumers would have to expect an increase in airfares for what could well end up being poorer quality service. We should also point out that Qantas management said in passing this week uh, that after the epidemic, it would launch an all-out campaign to win back customers with uh, bargain basement prices on its uh, on its flights that immediately raised concerns of predatory pricing leading to the uh, competition regulator the ACCC to say that it would be monitoring pricing Uh, extremely carefully after the epidemic. Meanwhile, Virgin's administrators have set a May 15th deadline for bids for the failing airline. And I think we'll have a little bit of a better idea after that how the recovery of the company could, could pan out. 
At the same time, aside from aviation, the competition watchdog is working to authorise companies in various industries, from supermarkets to banks, hospitals as well, um, to cooperate for a short term in ways that they normally wouldn't be allowed to so that they keep going through the pandemic and can compete properly with one another when we emerge from all of this. That's assuming we do emerge from this uh, pandemic at some stage. Lovely speaking to you as always, Laurel. Thank you, James. Laurel Henning is MLEX's senior correspondent covering Australia and New Zealand from Sydney. And that's it for this week. Thank you very much for your company. And another reminder that MLEXmarketinsight.com is where you need to go for a sample of MLEX's reporting and analysis from around the globe. Just click on the Insight Centre tab. That's MLEXmarketinsight.com. I'm James Panicki, Asia-Pacific Senior Editor. Thank you very much for your company. See you soon. Bye for now.